Good morning. Good to see y'all. Good worship time and special time of baptism with Naeem. And again, thanks for you, all the family and friends that came out for it. It's cool to have you all. And uh, I mentioned in the first service, and I feel led to mention it again in this service. I think uh, as we think about God and our relationship with God, or maybe a lack of relationship with God, I, I love the fact that God, oh, sorry, I forgot, normally middle school and high school go in the connection room for next gen, but you all get to stay in here with us this morning. <laughs> Don't be so excited, uh, but yeah, you all can stay in here with us. There's no next gen this morning, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, in our relationship with God, the biggest thing is uh, I think that God just desires for us to be honest. And yet sometimes in religion, uh, it has taught us to hide and not be honest. But the funny thing is, God knows everything anyway. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. He knows what I want to do. He knows what I don't want to do. Uh, and so the honest part is, is when it says, I'm done with the hiding. I run to the Father. As long as you're being honest, you have a relationship there with God. You're, you're having, you're talking. And God is a big enough God to handle your, your, your anger and your fears, uh, your disappointments, your struggles, your failures. So this morning, I just pray, um, if you're mad, tell God you're mad. If you're disappointed, tell him you're disappointed. If you're um, sad, tell him. If you don't really know if you want to follow God, tell him that. Um, let him in and just being honest about that does that and God can use our honesty and so this morning it's good to see I'm glad you're here I know we all come in with different things some good stuff some really challenging stuff and so um, I was praying we'll just continue to, to bring that to, to the father he's always there open-armed uh, willing to embrace us and receive us so I hope you know that this morning. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into some family stuff. Uh, I'll pray for us. God, thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for Naeem. Um, I pray that this day would be etched in his mind. And when the enemy tries to cause doubt in his mind, um, that he will always remember this moment in time where he publicly declared that he is a follower of you. So continue to empower him. Anoint him, God in his school, in his relationships, to be um, a bringer of the kingdom. God, I thank you for Chris Brown. I thank you for his influence and um, his love for his great nephew. And I thank you for his consistency and his sacrifice. Um, I just pray for their whole family and pray just continue to, um, to use them and draw them closer to you, God, as I pray that for me and my family and us as a church family. Continue to draw us closer to you. Continue to use us. God, may we just continue to be honest with you. And so, pray that you meet us right where we are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Oh, good deal. Say that again. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, yeah, good, good. I wasn't following you for a second, Rachel. <laughs> I'm in, amen, I'm in, I'm in. All right, thank you. I like that. I like that. I was like, I'm not catching something. And by the way, she's a Green Bay Packer fan, so keep quiet, would you? <laughs> oh, my cowboys are out of it. Oh, that hurt last week, people. And of course, Rachel, I knew she wouldn't rub it in. 
And she did. Um, how about those Wildcats last night, though? Hey, the Kentucky Wildcats, they look really good. So, okay, that's all I got for you. Good to see everybody. <laughs> uh, we're, we're in the second, ser- second message of series, Spread the Great News. And today, I want to talk specifically about families because we are involved in family every single day of our life. And even though when I say family, oftentimes you think of parents and kids. Uh, yes, you can think of that. But I also want us to think of other relationships too. So maybe you don't have a spouse and kids. That's okay. This will apply to you as well. Uh, maybe in your friendships, in your coworkers' uh, relationship, uh, in your neighborhood. Um, how do we spread the great news of the kingdom of God to everybody and all of our social networks? Because that's the call. Jesus never said, hey, invite everybody to come to you. He says, no, I want you to go out into the world and make disciples. You go, you go. It's not about inviting people here. It's about you go out there and influence the world. And so um, I have to catch myself sometimes because it's easy to call this building the church. And we recognize the church in this building, the church is us. We are uh, the family of God. I'm in, we're in. We're in the family of God. And so as we go daily in our relationships, uh, how are we influencing that? How are we bringing the kingdom of God to where we go? And certainly families we touch every day and relationships we touch every day. Last week we talked a little bit, I won't talk long on this, we talked a little bit about the uh, kind of an, an older culture model of the attractional church where the idea or the goal was attract people to come to your building. And um, the success was measured by if a lot of people were in your building, then you were successful. Now, I love the fact that God uses that and continues to use that. And people have come to Jesus because of that. Uh, but again, I want to remind us, I want to focus on our call, though, is to be missional. And as we go, be intentional about how we can spread this great news of God. And so today, the question is, what does it look like for us to follow the Spirit and every social network in our life. And so I want us to look at some rituals. We don't, as Protestants, always think of rituals, but our Catholic brothers and sisters background, you all know rituals, and there's such great impact, positive impact of rituals. But I want to look at some specifically with the family, but again, this can apply to friendships and and neighbors as well. Uh, There is a significant prayer, uh, it was a Jewish prayer, But Jesus also refers to it in the New Testament when someone said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he pulls from this prayer. It's called the Shema. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, it was the central affirmation for faith of Jewish people. It's a prayer recited in the morning and the evening, significant prayer. It goes like this. Shema literally means, the Hebrew word means to hear. So the first word is, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Just love God with all that you are. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now listen to what he wants us to do with it. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down at night and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. He says, love the Lord with all that you are. And so that you'd be reminded by this, 
put it everywhere and talk about it constantly, constantly reminding you of who God is and who you are. So in our families, um, if you, many, some of you, many of you are like me, we're a little older, uh, older. I don't think of myself old, but we're older. Um, someone said on Facebook the other day, I was like, that's me. They said, I'm too, I'm too young for the older people and too old for the younger people. That's where I am. I'm right in the middle. And so, um, uh, maybe your kids have already been raised and grown. They're mostly out of the house or the house. Um, here's what I want to do. Sometimes I look back and like, gosh, I don't know if I did a very good job of writing it down and reminding ourselves and teaching them the truths and the scriptures. And, um, and I don't know. And so this morning, even as I go and your kids are out of the house, I don't want anyone to feel guilty. This is not a guilty sermon. For those of you who have children at home, I hope this will be encouraging. Uh, but again, it works in relationships, all relationships as well. So this is to, in all that you do, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're waking, and you're lying down, just remember these commands of God. Put it in your ordinary daily life. Make it a natural part of your family environment. So today I want to talk about how do we do that? How do we make that a part of our family environment? How do we do that? And uh, we're going to look at the, the definition of rituals, but I'm going to share a lot of good stuff that I learned from a guy named Dr. Bill Darty. I don't know him personally, but he's an author um, almost, I think back in 99, the book is called um, The Intentional Family. And I love the, the, the uh, title because I think as families, we have to be intentional. Um, well, I'll talk more about that in a second. So he, uh, he's a professor and director of the Marriage and Family Therapy Center at the University of Minnesota. Uh, some interesting stuff, but I want to share some stuff I've learned from, from listening to some of his stuff. And um, he says this, there's the biggest challenge, probably the biggest challenge we face as in our families is the busyness. Now, we know this, but we're going to flesh it out. Hopefully, it will be a little more inspiring. Um, we live in a world of distraction and busyness. This world of distraction and busyness, um, we have more distractions in the home, and we are busier outside the home than ever before. And the problem is, it leads to disconnection. Um, for those of you who are older, can you remember, I can't, I was a real little kid, but I can remember, uh, you remember in a lot of homes, there was just one TV. There weren't TVs in the bedrooms and other, but it was just one TV. And I can remember this. And it actually taught you some good lessons because now kids just have phones and they go in their, their room and does be on their phones for hours. We Adults can be on our phones for hours too. And, and before long, you, you're just by yourself doing what you want to do whenever you want to do it. But I remember this one time, I, I, I might have been Naeem's age, maybe eight, nine years old. And we were visiting my grandparents' house. We were staying the night with them. And we were so excited because there was this 3D movie coming out on the TV. It was on TV, but it was a movie on TV that was 3D. And back then, that was big. So we bought our 3D glasses, you know, those paper glasses. So we're so excited. We're sitting there, man, all Papal's living room. And we, whatever time it was, 7 o'clock, it turns 7 o'clock. We put our glasses on. We're watching the movie. And my grandpa comes in, kind of a harsh fellow, comes in. And, you know, if you don't have your glasses on, it just looks kind of blurry. And he sits down in his recliner and looks at that TV and says, what in the world are we watching here? And he got up and changed the channel. I threw down my 3D glasses. 
and we didn't get to watch the movie. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. Uh, and, and so you did kind of even learn compromise. You learned certain social things by just having one TV. Now, as I talked about last week, technology is so great, but the, the bent is always isolation. Uh, there's so many good things to technology, but we got to be careful because it always leads to isolation. And so in the family, we are busier than we've ever been. There are more distractions than there ever been, and it leads to disconnection. Um, this is really important. We live in an era for parents. I felt this pressure too. The pressure is to make sure that our kids get every opportunity. Nothing wrong with that per se. Uh, but the problem is we treat it as if it's about each individual kid and this family. And the family can lose the focus of being a family because we're focused on we got to get them to practice. They're going to do this. Because we want to give them every opportunity. But research shows that family meals together are way more significant in kids' development than sport activities. Amen. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thank you all for your feedback. But I get it. Because we think, yeah, but we got, they're, they're going to get behind. We're going to get all these, everybody else is in two sports. We got to and, and, and what? And we want the best for our kids, which is admirable. But what happens is we give away the family part for the sake of the individuals in the family. And now we're too busy running everybody, and there's no family time, so we're disconnected again. Um, it, it's almost like if you've ever gone boating or uh, canoeing or uh, you go in the Ohio River. I know it's not the most sexy place to bob out in the water, but Lake Cumberland, maybe that's a little better. Uh, you go out there, and if you're just kind of, well, especially in the river, I'm thinking of river, um, if you just kind of bob out there in the water hanging out, before too long, you look up and your boat's way up there. And I'm like, what the heck? And you, the, the current has just drifted you down and you didn't even realize it. And that's the same in our world. The currents of our culture, if you don't do things intentionally, you will just, the currents of our day will pull you in distraction and disconnection unless we are intentional about doing something with our families. And so it comes back to the great prayer um, may you surround your family with all this stuff. So let's look at rituals. What are some things? What are some practical things? Um, here's a great definition of rituals. It's, there's three characteristics to a ritual. Um, something, it's something you do with other people. So a ritual is something you do with other people that is repeated, number one, whether that's every week or every year, um, it, whatever it might be, like a meal or a vacation. It's coordinated, so you know exactly what you're doing. It's not, you're not just like, hey, let's get together and do something. Uh, you know exactly what you're doing, and it has emotional meaning. It's significant in a positive way. Because <laughs> uh, you could go to the dentist, and that, that doesn't fit all three. You go regularly every six months, uh, you know exactly what's going to happen, but it is not a real significant emotional meaning. Well, maybe a negative one. But, uh, so, so think of it in those three qualities. And I remember growing up, my family, um, you know, it's funny as you get older, you look back and like, whoa, there was more dysfunction in my family than I realized. But that's true for all of us. But one thing that we did that was very powerful and was a ritual was we did every Friday night was family night. And so we knew it was every Friday night. It was repeated. Um, we knew exactly what we were doing. We would always go to dinner and a movie. 
and then oftentimes come back home and play some games together. We were always together. Friday night, family night, repeated it every week. We knew exactly what we're doing, and it's some of my most fond memories. It had an emotional impact on me. That was something that, um, that I won't forget. Um, but the reason I want to talk about rituals this morning is because of how important they are. They give us predictable connection. I think sometimes we want to connect, but we don't really know how, especially as the kids get older and they become teenagers, and that's a whole other thing. Uh, we don't know how to connect. Um, but if you think of your own family, think of some of the rituals that you did. I know for Jennifer's family, um, they talk about they would go to Lake Cumberland every year, and that was a ritual that um, they did every year. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what to expect, and uh, some of her favorite memories of her family's. What did your family do? You all probably had some things. Uh, we, we like to play games together. Maybe your family liked to go camping together. Maybe you like music together. You go on trips together. Um, but most of those things that you think of, they have this idea of a ritual. It's repeated, coordinated, and has emotional meaning. So here's what I want us to look at this morning. Some of the most important things you can do for your kids um, are these rituals. Research, research, I keep saying research, research shows that these are some of the most significant things you can do for kids. So for instance, a ritual, a family meal. And a lot of these rituals are just thinking through your day. And I want you to put your, your thinking cap on. Thinking through the day and stuff that you're already doing, but how can you incorporate your family and make it intentional? And then we're talking about spiritual things too, of you know, putting it around your foreheads and your, your wrists and around the house, and uh, maybe not literally, but like what the, the verse was saying, the prayer was saying. Um, so a family meal, it's an opportunity. It doesn't mean you have to have a family meal every night. There's no rigid rules to this stuff. But if you're not having any family meals, you're missing a beautiful opportunity to connect with your, with your family. So have one meal a week. Don't make it a big deal. If you're not doing any meals, have one a meal a week. And maybe you just started, if, you're not, if you don't pray, just say, hey, um, let's pray before we eat this, morning, this evening. And you pray. And th that could be a start of a ritual. Uh, one thing that we do sometimes, I uh, used to do it more, uh, is would say, hey, what's one thing you're thankful for? And we'd go around the table as we're sitting there eating and Say one thing you're thankful for, and then we pray. Um, but if we don't ever come together, we, we miss out on a connection time and community. Um, and these rituals, these touch point times with our kids and our families, um, research shows they are more important for raising kids than taking them to piano lessons and basketball practice and soccer practice, which there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But these rituals are more important. They're more significant in raising your children. So what's happened is parenting has become kind of this product development. And again, nothing in and of itself is wrong, but it's about preparing kids to compete in the world. We want them to compete. Um, nothing wrong with that. Don't, get me, don't hear me say it's wrong. But, but the problem is we miss out on so much stuff that we can be... Uh, investing in them because we're teaching them to compete and getting them involved in all these other things. And then what happens, it actually, just like in the past has been like consumer church, it actually becomes this consumer family because it's all about 
this kid and that kid, and I want my kid to be in this. I want them to learn this. And, and we think our job is to enrich our kids so they can compete. Um, and we don't really expect them to give back to the family because we got to be teaching them. And um, one of the things that Dr. Doherty said that family meals are so important to them, I did not do this, unfortunately. He said, but if, they, if one of the kids want to add another sport, but it would interfere with the family meals, they said no. Um, but I think today, myself included in this, the average parent today would say, well, we need a sacrifice for our child. And that's what happens. We can't expect them to anyway sacrifice for the family. Many of y'all back in my day, we didn't have a choice whether we were sacrificing for the family. We had to go. We had to do whatever it was. I don't want to go. Get in a car. <laughs> yeah. And so nowadays there's this idea because we got to enrich all our kids, give them every time. It's almost like we sacrifice for all of our kids, but we never expect the kids to sacrifice for the family. And it teaches this consumeristic mindset. And so sometimes just turning down a traveling soccer team might allow you to free up some time to go on a trip on a weekend. Or go visit your grandparents. And so the kingdom starts just like here at the church. The kingdom always starts. What Brent talked leading us into communion. It always starts by looking at the cross of Jesus. It is always self-sacrificing. To be a follower of Jesus is to self-sacrifice. It's a surrender. And in our families, if we're not teaching them to sacrifice... We're not really helping them to understand being a follower of Jesus as well. And so mealtime's a good ritual. Bedtime's a good ritual. Everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to go to bed. Bedtime's a good ritual. Maybe ask a question. It's good to just ask a question so everybody can participate. You're tucking the kids in. Ask them a question about their day. How did you see God at work today? It might, if you're not used to this, it might feel weird at first, but give it a shot. Um, Ask him a question. Do a devotional. I know Jen used to do a devotional with Rylan uh, when he was younger. And then like I said, at te about teenage years, they don't really want you in the room. So be, be aware of that too. It might need to look a little different when they get to be a teenager. Uh, but one of the things that I think is so cool about the Jewish tradition, and I know uh, uh, Ryan and Rachel Eaton do this, is uh, the Jewish faith, is, there's so uh, much community ritual in there. So every Friday night is a Shabbat dinner, a Sabbath dinner. And Ryan and Rachel have had us over for a Shabbat dinner. And so every Friday night, you get together. And the cool part about this, the, the, this Jewish tradition is you know that it's not, your, it's not just your weird family doing it. There's a bunch of other families doing it. And one of the things that I've been thinking about, uh, and I might get with Miss Maddie too, is talk about what are, some, what are some cool traditions that we can do as a family and as a church family that we do together knowing that, hey, other people are doing this too. Uh, so be thinking about that. Brainstorm that with us. But bedtime is a great time. Uh, but but a Shabbat dinner, uh, uh, that, that's such a neat thing because it's community driven. You know that there are more people doing it. Um, so for families who may not be doing any of this, don't feel guilty, but see it as a great opportunity to try some new things. At meal, if you're not doing a prayer, start with a prayer. If you're already doing a prayer, um, then I would encourage you to maybe, again, start with a question. Um, one example is um, 
a lighting of a candle. I, I love just the idea of lighting of a candle, ushering in the presence of God, holding hands, saying a prayer. This is at your dinner time. Um, and then have everyone give an opportunity to share a joy and a sorrow of their day and talk about that as you eat. Hey, tell me about a joy and sorrow of your day. Now, here's the thing. If your family's not used to it, don't come home and say, all right, kids, we're implementing a new rule. I learned at church today. We're all going to do it. You're going to do it. Shut up, and we're doing this, and let's pray. Don't do that. That doesn't work very well either. But I think if you're not used to it, just say, hey, um, try something different. I know it's different for all of us, but I did hear something at church, and I want to try it. And so maybe you just say, let's just pray before we go. Or I've got a question, and I want to invite everyone to participate, but you don't have to. Everyone's there at the meal time, and they're not going anywhere. They're all at the meal. Here's what's funny. In time, I guarantee you that everyone will want to participate. And everybody's just sharing, just sharing something about their day. It's a connection time. It's a ritual. It's significant. Um. And for teenagers, as I mentioned, um, I think it does help when we're doing some stuff together as a community. Because, uh, you know, it's teenage, everybody's weird, your family's weird, everybody's odd. And so, uh, but here's what I want to encourage us as parents, and we'll talk about friendships real quick. Um, as parents, your kids probably won't like that. Like, this was weird, Dad, this is weird, Mom. I know, but we're going to try it. We're going to do it. Just because they may not like it doesn't mean that they get to dictate that you don't do it anymore. So just continue to try, and you're lying down, and you're going, in your everyday activity. May you love God with all your soul and your mind and your strength. Remind yourself, remind your family who God is and who they are. Here's the thing, I'm getting ready to close out, but here's the thing that's really important. Um, it's important to teach things of the faith, but faith is more caught than anything. Um, when you're growing in a relationship with Jesus and you're living it out, people will catch that. Your family will catch that. It's contagious. Uh, and yes, we need to teach it, but it will be caught before it is taught. And so the Deuteronomy passage is so important because it's saying, hey, saturate your relationships with the kingdom. Get it into every part of your kids' lives. May they absorb it all. And here's the thing, there's no one size fits all. Every family is different. So it's your family's ritual is going to look different than my family's. Um, it doesn't matter. Just pray and ask God, God, what would you, what are some things that we can do for our family? And as I said, you might, the kids might be out of the house or close to being out of the house. There's no reason to feel guilty about this for what you've done and what you've not done. Actually, I don't think there's any room for guilt in the kingdom of God. I think it's just we learn from our past and we grow and we do better. But there's no regrets. But think of friendships too. This will be the last thing I say. Think of friendships. Put in some friendship rituals. What are some things that you do? You probably do this already. Things you do um, regularly, you know exactly what you're doing, and it is a, a great emotional uh, significant meaning. Um, I love, there's a group here at church that just organically happened <laughs> every Wednesday night. So it's repeated every Wednesday night. They go to trivia night, so it's repeated every week. They know exactly what they're doing, um, and it is significant. This has been a, a good thing in their life, has it not, Parsons? Um, so even things like that, that connect and build community and relationships, um, just those are some great ideas.
Um, be thinking about how you can initiate some of this. I think as we look through history, people in history spent most of their time out in community, not isolated in their houses. And I think that's, that's the challenge for us these days. We all tend to be isolated in our houses instead of out in community. So how can we, com- how can we create community family, or family rituals? How can we create friendship family rituals? How can we create rituals in our neighborhood that would be significant? And uh, we're going to close with this. Uh, there's a little ladybug on my, on my podium right there. That's sweet. <clears throat> uh, we're going to close with um, a song. And I love this song. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to just have a, a, a ministering time with us. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but there will be prayer ministers on the side of the stage. If you want to come and pray, you can come and pray here. You can pray where you stand. Um, but as we focused on families a lot today, um, I want you just to pray over your family today, over your kids, over extended family, um, over your biological family, over friendships, coworkers, um, whoever God brings to mind. The song we're singing is I Speak Jesus. And, um, and the prayer is, God, help me to love you with all my, all my being. And may we speak Jesus in the coming and going and bring the kingdom and just pray for one another and pray for our families, pray for our church family as we sing. Let's stand together and let's, uh, let's close out with this.